Hello there, I'm Denise Richardson, and you're listening to Fuel for the Spirit. Well, you know me from the Pledge Drive on PBS, and I'm a proud member of the AM570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA family. There's so many moments in our lives when we all feel like we're running on empty. So much to do and so little time and energy to do it. So little hope. Our dreams stay dreams and go unfulfilled. Well, how do we change that? How do we find the fuel to go on? And I think our guest will be very helpful with that today. He is a young man I met on my first day at Salem Media here in New York. Now, Salem owns AM570, The Mission, WMCA, and AM970, The Answer. I was chatting with WNYM's popular talk... I was chatting with... I was chatting with... Popular talk show host Kevin McCullough, when his producer Alex Garrett rollerbladed up to speak with him. I literally was stunned in that moment. Rather than just stare at Alex, I said what I was thinking. You have to be one of the most courageous people I've ever met. Alex has one leg, and I think the soul of a warrior. Alex Garrett, welcome to Fuel for the Spirit. Thank you, Denise. That is uh, quite an intro that um, is overwhelming. But thank you for that, because I remember the first day we met, I was rolling in, as you said, to talk with Kevin about getting the show together. And we just hit it off, you and I, right then and there. And now here we're doing the show. So thanks for having me on today. Well, there are times that I've seen folks with a disability and I would think about it, but I wouldn't say anything. But maybe it was because you were rollerblading in. Sure. Maybe because your attitude was such that I'm here to do whatever I'm supposed to do, that I immediately connected with you and wanted to know more about you. So I want to know, what do you want people to know about Alex Garrett? That I do have like the spirit in me to keep going every day, that I'm not perfect and uh, I'm human, but I try not to let that those mistakes define me. I just keep pushing through them, like getting the chicken McNuggets stuck the other day. I, I work through something like that. I know you're going to talk about that story as well. It was pretty crazy, but... Well, wait a minute. Uh, let's it, not jump the gun. Let's go right to the chicken McNuggets. Well, you have a podcast. Sure. And you shared on that podcast that you were having chicken McNuggets. What happened? So, for those who may listen and know who I might be, I, uh, I'm i not only just the leg, I have internal issues as well. My esophagus had to be sewn up when I was hours old. It was in two parts. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people have that. I don't know how many, but to have it in two parts um, was frustrating. Not so much for me because I was very, I was too young to remember it. But for my parents, they were like really freaking out. Why can't he eat his food? Why can't he do this? So they finally patched me up inside. But to this day, 28 years later, I still have those eating uh, problems at times where something just gets stuck in the middle of my stomach or or esophagus. And why do I talk about it? Because I feel like on the podcast, I talk about so much outer world stuff, like what's going on in the world. And I think people shouldn't get to know who I am. Like, I'm not just someone behind a mic. I've got things going on that I have to take care of. And, And that example of the McChicken choking on it, it did make me realize one of my issues is that I have to slow it down. I have to slow down. Clearly, when I'm on my wheels, I feel invincible. And sometimes I needed a moment like that 
to say, hey, you're also human. Yeah, but you know something? When you say you have to slow down, what you mean you have to chew your food. Because everyone says you should take time to chew your food and swallow. 32 times, yep. Yeah, but you're, you weren't doing it. So that says to me that you often don't do it. I don't do it as often as I should. That is true. And also, I, I also have, have to, as we talk about, you know, have different things during the day instead of cramming everything in. Because my issue is that I I, uh, I feel like I can do it all, and sometimes I just can't. But I, I overcome that. When you say different things during the day, you mean smaller meals yeah, during exactly. the course of the day as opposed to, oh, my God, let me have a hamburger. Exactly. Um, because you could kill yourself. Yeah, I mean, that is – it's not a pleasant sight. And I was doing a Seton Hall game, I believe, on this station, actually, doing the engineering for it, and I was toking on the McNugget as I was doing the game. I tried not to let anybody know, but it was just something that I was dealing with the whole game, which was pretty uh, frustrating. So when you get up in the morning, is there a fear factor that goes on, like, what could happen to me today? Not at all. Health-wise? I, because I think – I just know what I have to do every day, and I'm not afraid of um, of anything. I just get up, know what I have to do, and do it. Now, sometimes I, that may not happen, but I'm not waking up saying, why do I have to get out of bed? I'm waking up saying, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to survive another day. I'm going to work to fight whatever battles I have to fight, internally, externally, and that doesn't that doesn't intimidate me. So... I just, I, and I love that God gives me a day every every day to wake up. He gave and do us what I have this to do. day exactly. He gave us. I, I know. I get up in the morning and I express thanks for this day because, and my the fact that my dog who has many maladies, my oh. dog woke up this morning, and so I feel really blessed about that. Um, there are there are other challenges that you face that people wouldn't understand because they see someone. Um, and I'm, I'm not doting on one leg, but they sure. see someone with one leg. And, and the, we have to explain the rollerblades because I've never seen anybody <laughs> on a rollerblade. And you really do zip around. Um, they see them, but they don't understand the other ramifications of the health issue. So what are those ramifications? So you might have seen me at a station event because I go to a, a lot of those for MCA. And yeah, I rollerblade around there too on one leg. And, and that's fun to get to see everybody in hobnob, if you will. But what people may not know is I don't – I only have one kidney, so I have that challenge going on. Wow. I've, I've got the esophagus, and I mean, if you want me to go there, I can. I, I have what's called a colostomy. Now, I'm sure people know what that is, but for 28 years, I've had that. And sometimes I wish I didn't have it because if it goes wrong, then, you know, the place will stink up, so to speak. I don't know if I should get that personal on here, but that's, that's just the reality of it. So, um, but anytime that happens, I just know that that colostomy bag is supposed to be on, it, it is saving my life. So I'm very grateful for that too. There you go. Uh, what fuels your spirit? Uh, what fuels my spirit? I wouldn't say that I feel like an underdog, but I feel like I'm out to prove that I can do this thing called life every day. Like there was growing up, I I guess I just had a lot of things opportunities bestowed upon me, like meeting President Clinton, like meeting George Steinbrenner and the Yankee organization. Those were opportunities that my dad and I kind of manifested in in one way or another. Um, so as I get older, it's like trying to recapture that, that 
glory again as an adult. So I guess that, that fuels me to get up in the morning and say, you know what? Yeah, I had things as a kid bestowed upon me, but who is to say I can't have more opportunities as an adult to do things, to do more things? So that kind of fuels me. You're listening to Fuel for the Spirit. I'm your host, Denise Richardson. I'm so pleased because Alex Garrett and I talked about this for a long time, having Alex Garrett on the show. Um, I I hesitate to use the word disabled because I see two people with two feet who are disabled mentally, emotionally. Um, And and this this gentleman, when did you think about – he he rollerblades around town. When did you think about rollerblading? Uh, Great question. So my dad was a nice hockey player. He played the amateur level. And he said, you know what? We're going to try this on the sidewalk. We're going to try you skating on the sidewalk. We go to Models in Flushing and get the rollerblade at eight years old. I did this 20 years ago. And, um, and and it worked. Like I just fit into it like it was a glove or whatever you, whatever the saying is because the first miss, the first challenge, if you will, with the rollerblading was a curb cut outside of Shea Stadium. And I I didn't really see it, but I landed on the past the curb, like I got over the curb, and just kept rolling. I said, "Okay, I got this," and I've very rarely fallen. So sometimes, though, I have to be mindful of what I'm carrying. I could carry five thousand things, and that impedes my focus, my balance a little bit. So I try not to have anything in my hand until I'm where I'm settled in. So. There's that, but for 20 years I've been doing this around the whole city of New York. And you, you're and on crutches elsewhere. too. And Ireland as well. Yes, I'm on crutches. I have two of them. And so when you talk about carrying other things, so you'll have crutches, you'll be on a rollerblade. And I might carry my phone. I might carry my iced coffee. I might carry a soda. And the reason why I bring this up is the one time I had a really bad fall, I had food in my hand on one hand and Coca-Cola in the other hand. And I fell. I didn't know what happened. My shoulder was sort of uh, cracking. So I'm like, what what went on? Ended up on a sling with that. But I recovered from that and back on my wheels I went. (laughs) You told me that a doctor recently said to you that you're trying to leave the planet and we're trying to keep you here. When you heard that, what did it make you think? Well, and that's kind of where the station comes into play, too, because they, they're very supportive and they push me on that, too. They're like, how come you're not taking care of your health more? Why aren't you doing this or the other? And I agree. I should be doing more to, to take care of my health. But when he said that, Dr. Alam said that, I was very um, – I was just extremely moved by that because, Denise, how – who wants to hear that from their doctor? But also – Who's to say I can't learn from that comment and do better for myself? That way I don't leave the planet. So it was very moving, and it just changed my perspective on everything. Okay, so would you say that there was a time that you wanted to leave the planet? No, never Never. that. Never that. Nope. Just, um, I've had bouts. I don't even think it's depression. I've just had bouts of loneliness and bouts of this and the other, but... Well, no, don't don't gloss over that because it it would make sense to have that. So would you sure. say to everybody seems to be depressed? I sure. Mean, young girls and boys are saying that they're depressed. So y- your challenges and 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 re- let's say re- let's throw out words. Sure. Challenges, rejection. Right. Um, talk about some of those and how you've reacted to it and how you've gotten past it. Uh, I'm the kind of person that will have a situation happen and then I just. 
don't think about it again and I have to I move on that's kind of a defense mechanism I guess but it's just that I move on and I know what I have to do next time to make it better now I should put that all in writing when I make the mistake I'm getting there though <laughs> uh, but Denise to, to answer your question so different parts of my life whether it be high school or college and they never really rejected me but it still felt like rejection at times because I got prank called by my friends in high school which we had talked about and that really set me off like what am I doing to to you to cause you to reject me you know I didn't think I was doing anything you know millions of people are asking that online about their so-called friends or about strangers who are belittling them online do you get that online at all uh yeah I mean I get that not so much me but when I post my viewpoints I get a lot of "Quote unquote clap back, if you will, mm-hmm. from a lot of people, and some of them, as you say, they don't even stay in touch with you. So it's like, how come you don't talk to me offline? But the minute I s- say something, you're like jumping right on there. It's like, you know, I exist beyond my views uh, out here. So, and that frustration still lingers because I still want to see friends, but I'm also one to no longer make the first move. If people really want to meet up, they have my number and they can text me, but. I just don't see that, so I kind of just do my own thing. That's really interesting. So, I, so what I'm hearing is I'm apprehensive of making the first move because I don't want to have my feelings hurt. Well, that, but but mainly, like, I always thought in college I built the foundation of friendship with all these with people, and I thought they'd continue it. So I kind of left the ball in their court. And, um, I mean, it wasn't that they knew that. I just, that was my internal thinking is that, mm-hmm. all right, I built these friendships. Now it's time for them to say, hey, how are you first? Because I did that my whole career in college. Like, I can't always be the one reaching out because as you get older, you realize one-sided friendships never really work in the end, do they? And then some friends are for a season and not for the rest of your life. Exactly. And, and it's, you know, you, I learned early to let go. Um, let go, let God, actually. Um Talk to me about your podcast, Keeping It Real. What does that mean? Uh, so, to be honest with you, when I was in a relationship with my ex-girlfriend years ago, she sort of made me realize that I'm not as a... I don't think of things in the real-life form. I just think of them in my own form. So I tried to, I, I tried to talk about things in the real rather than what's inside my head if that makes sense like like it, it, she woke me up to the fact that i don't take a lot of things seriously and i never and i still laugh at stuff laugh stuff off but still it's the idea that i have to be more real not only with the news of the day but with my own self like i have to be real i have to be in tune that things that just ha- don't happen out of the sky. I have to make those things happen. So that's the reality I'm facing is that I always have rollerbladed and rolled on this idea that things are just going to work out magically. But the reality is I have to make that happen. And so to hit, have that hit home for me time and time again also makes me feel like that's why I should have a podcast. What role does faith play in your life? I am actually on the church council at my uh, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in uh, Weehawken. And I'm also part, uh, I mean, I'm of the congregations while I read up there. But, you know, I always believe a couple. So you read it at mass. I I do at church, yeah. But I believe a couple of things. Well, the main thing I believe is God up there is watching, right? He's Mm -hmm. watching. 
But I also believe next to me, like he was walking with everybody in Galilee, in Jerusalem. I believe, whether we want to recognize it or not, Jesus is walking with all of us. Mm-hmm. Some believe that, some don't. I happen to be a believer of that because you look at the stories of him walking through towns. That's still happening today. We just have to hone in and recognize that he's there with us, mm-hmm. literally right next to us through whatever we're going through. So there's a miracle happening beside us every day. We just have to be able to see it. And I, I asked that question because of what the the older girlfriend was saying. You know, you're not taking things seriously enough, but you're still living in your faith as you rollerblade through life. Yeah, I mean, I believe that, that he's with me every time I rollerblade. There's no, you know, I, I and God, uh, forgive me for saying this, but when I see someone on a bike or something, get killed in New York. We've had all these bike deaths in New York City. But I'm like, what's his plan for me? Like, two people with two legs are dying, and yet I'm on this one thing living, and it's just like, it makes you wonder and think about why he has you here. What's his purpose for you? You know, that reminds me of a movie, and I think the movie was called Simon, if I'm not mistaken, and Jim Carrey, Okay, he narrated it, and that it was wonderful. But this little boy went, and he was disabled, and throughout the movie, he was asking the question, what's my purpose? Mm. And he went to a priest and asked the per- the, that priest, well, what's my purpose? And the priest couldn't answer him. Mm. Um, and he subsequently was on a bus, but he that was was drowning and he was drowning but he helped save a life or other lives right and he realizes he was going down that that was my purpose i was here to do that so i happen to believe that everybody has a purpose I, i think i know mine mine is to connect i want everyone to meet someone that they have not met before i want them to understand that alex has a challenge and he's getting through it the best way he can every day. So I think that's my purpose. But you got to believe. You've got to believe in a power much higher than yourself. And I think stories of people who overcome disabilities, who have these challenges but are not afraid to face them, are not afraid to work through them, I think that can inspire able-bodied people. I think it can inspire the homeless of New York to really get their act together, you know, and, and I don't mean to sound cruel about it, but I wish that we had less homeless because I wish people were motivated to get their life back on track. And that that comes to judgment and rejection mm-hmm. and people not having money to be able to pay the rent and yes. or they're mentally ill. Um, and what about a society that doesn't take care of the mentally ill? And I... Well, and maybe like yourself, when I w- walk and I pass by people, and I think to myself, that's not the way it's supposed to be. God wouldn't have that way for us. Right. But what do we learn from it? And how do we handle it? And how do we treat people with respect, even if they're in a, a tr- challenging um, circumstance? I used to give gloves uh, when I was at the Salvation Army. I would buy gloves and give to people when it was really cold. But I buy good gloves because I take that oh, yeah. seriously. And, you know, you just remember that one man one night who just looked at me and said, you know, like, thank you so much. And it's it the gratitude of it just made me cry because I said, I wish I could do more. Mm. But that's that's all I can do right now. 
Um, let's go back to you, Alex. Let's talk about the kinds of jobs you've had so that people, um, and I imagine people have high expectations of you or maybe low expectations based on the disability, based on what they see. You tell me. I think it's very high. I mean, I think I've I've set my own bar pretty high that if I don't even meet it, I get frustrated as well as everybody else does because I'm genuinely and generally a hard worker. But when I slip up, obviously that, um, I don't know how to say it, but that frustrates me and everybody around me because I think we all know those mistakes will be avoided and that I could do better. But as to your question, I've worked in accounting with my dad, uh, doing QuickBooks, helping him balance clients. Bank, I'm not kidding you, bank accounts. And then also did an internship at Westwood One Sports before I got here. That's how I'm able to do scene hall highlights because that internship I was cutting highlights mid-play and I picked it up and I just took that what I learned from in that internship here to be the sports highlight guy for Seton Hall basketball. So in the middle of the game, you're cutting highlights. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the game, we're wow. rolling on a feed. And then, yeah. So it's, uh, and sometimes I engineer the game as well as cut the highlights. So I'm doing it all there. Um, I've done play-by-play and public address work for Queens College. Uh, I brought back to the college radio station basketball play-by-play. Like they really, I pushed for that and they made it work for us. So we did that. Uh, the public address work was another form of trying to get things right every game behind the mic. So sometimes I would not focus on the play, and I'd be announcing while the play was going on. Or sometimes I would try I would mispronounce the name or whatever. But there were other things that they were like, "You need to tighten it up," and so I did. And by the end of college, I think I got the public address stuff down pat. But it was another learning experience to say, hey, you might have the skill to talk, but it's how you use that skill to to make it work. What's the big dream? My big dream to this day is still to be a play-by-play announcer because that is my that is my ballywick, if you will. And by the way, did you know there's a guy with cerebral palsy doing White Sox games in Chicago? No. His name's Jason Benetti. He actually has CP, a bit of a speech impediment. But they gave him a chance, and that inspires me to say, you know what, there's still time. I can break into this, because obviously the field for broadcasting might be wider now than it was before. So for him to do that, I think he's the first disabled play-by-play guy, because uh, Ron Santo, had his, I don't know if you know the name Ron Santo, for the Cubs, he had his legs actually amputated, but he was doing color commentary for the Cubs as well. But for Benetti, he was like the first guy they ever hired as a play-by-play guy in Major League Baseball. So I look at him and say, if he can do it, so can I. Good for you. And we're gradually running out of time, but I'm curious about the organizations that you work with to support others with disabilities. So for years, I was part of this charity called Variety, the Children's Charity. And I'm sure he's a mutual friend of ours because Cousin Bruce Morrow Love him. runs the charity. I know he's on PBS with you a lot, uh, Cousin Brucey. But he... um. He would have, he, he brought me on as a spokesperson for Variety. And for about 10 years there, I was doing radiothons, telethons, supporting the charity and telling people to support the charity as well. That was such a fun experience. I got to meet people like Chubby Checker 
uh, Gary U.S. Bonds. So we helped kids in the Tri-State area that were less fortunate that had disabilities. And that was rewarding to hear the phones ring in and people support him. And there was a... That was an error in and of itself, if you will. That's interesting. I co-hosted the Jerry Lewis Telethon for 12 years. Sure. And you mentioned the two guys that among the people that I met, um, I met both of them. And I said to Gary U.S. Bonds, you know, I used to sing your song just all the time, except I didn't realize I didn't know the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're amazing. Do you think of yourself as amazing every day? No, I think of myself as a work in progress still. I think of myself as I'm not done yet. I know what I have to do to fix certain issues, maybe with work or maybe with home life or whatever, and health. So I'm never going to think I'm amazing because I always want to be on top of my game more than just how people view me. It, like, it's just funny when people come up to me on the street and say, oh, you know, you're this is amazing, you're inspirational. I don't say it to them because I just am being nice, but to me it's like, I feel like being inspiration is also doing the job you have to do correctly. And so until I get that totally down pat, I don't feel like an inspiration to myself because I'm working on the day-to-day affairs. And I think that Alex Garrett being inspirational means that he's fulfilling uh, the grand purpose that God would have you fulfill and that he will get you where you're going And you have meant so much to me and to anyone who knows you. So the naysayers, boo hiss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Denise, thank you for having me on and letting me share my story with you tonight. And one other comment, if I I may quickly, when I look down and see my leg and the roller blade and I see the, I'm like, this is how God made me. You know, this is how God has me on this earth and don't know his reasoning yet, but I just know I'm on this earth because of him. There you go. Thank you, Alex Garrett, for being with us. You've been listening to Fuel for the Spirit. So let me know your story. Interested in hosting Fuel for the Spirit with your guests? Give me a call for details, 347-869-6942, or email me at info at fuelforthespirit.com. If it's 830 on Saturday night, it's time for Fuel for the Spirit.